It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today has been in wrestling, a part of wrestling, for over 40 years. She is the author of the book titled Brody, The Triumph and Tragedy of Wrestling's Rebel. She is a lifetime member of the Cauliflower Alley Club. She's also the reunion registration register for the Cauliflower Alley Club and was the wife of the late Bruiser Brody. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and pleasure to welcome Mrs. Barbara Goodish. Barbara, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, Brian, it's really my pleasure. Thank you for thank you for having me, and thank you for talking to me and oh. still remembering a lot of oh. legacies that have left us behind. Yes, I mean, your husband, your late husband, had a huge impact on the wrestling business, as well as you know the spouses. I think don't get enough credit for what they have to do behind the scenes with the family, taking care of the children, and all that. And I and when I reached out to you and, and you accepted the invitation, I was really grateful because I'm trying to get a diverse group of people in here, the spouses, just not just the wrestlers and the promoters, but the spouses, the, the fans. And I really appreciate you coming on here today. So, Well, it, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And just uh, a note too, um, working at the, uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club, um, I know you guys don't get paid for anything, so that's a huge responsibility for what you all do. And um, can you talk about a little bit what you do there and how, how that functions? You, you know, I first went there in 2015 when mm-hmm. they gave an award to Frank Bruiser. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd heard about it, but had not had anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I went there to accept the award. As I said before, I really hadn't had much. I lost my family. I had lost my family in wrestling, and only a very few people had kept in touch with me. Stan Hansen, of course, was one of them. And, of course, I had Darla and Herb Simmons and just a few of the people. But then when they gave the award, when Morgan Dollar, you know, told me that Frank was getting an award, I was at the first – one of the first events I ever went to was in Fort Worth because I really – didn't have anything to do with anything for such a long period of time. And when I went to the Cauliflower Alley Club, it was like I found my family. It was like it was just such a unique family that it was like, what have I been missing for so long? And it is just so nice to have that family. And the Cauliflower Alley Club, what a wonderful, wonderful organization. Because as you know, with wrestlers, there's no 401k and there's no pensions and there's nothing. They give their bodies up and their time and everything and get nothing. And a lot of them, of course, now have injuries because Mm -hmm. it's such a physical, physical demand on their bodies to give everybody what they, you know, to be who they are. Yeah. And then they leave, and then a lot of them, of course, get into financial difficulties. Mm-hmm. And then, as you, I think you already repeated, you can go back, call the Cauliflower Alley Club, and you can get some help. So it's like, as I said, helping the ex-wrestlers who really need help, because there's nowhere else they can really turn to. Yeah. So I went there in 2015. It was Stan Hansen and Terry Funk gave me the award for Frank. It was really nice to see both of them. And Stan has always kept in my life ever since it happened. Yeah. And then I went back every year. And then finally, as I said, with Brian Blair and everything in my family, and just they asked me if I would like to help out. And I said, I would love to give back. You've given me, my family, I would love to give back to you. So I'm, I just take care of the registration when, when they come in to register for the events, they get their ticket and they get their lanyard and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just such a great organization. So yeah. anybody, anybody out there, it's only, I think, such a small amount per year. I think it's $27 per year to join. You get four, four magazines in that time. And please come. You will never have such a good time. There's so many great people yeah. that it is as I said, it's a wonderful organization, yeah. and I did become a lifetime member yeah. because that's – I always like to give back. When people give you something, you always – I like myself. I think it's nice to give back. You receive and you give. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I didn't really know much about it either uh, until I did some research when I started this podcast about almost two years ago. And I looked into it, and I noticed, you know, you guys do a lot of, of good things uh, for those wrestlers. As you said, some of them fall on financial hardship. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no pension, uh, especially for the <laughs> ones that were, to me, the grinders and the, the guys that made wrestling what it is today. You know, your, hus- your, 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 your husband, Stan Hansen, Terry Funk, those guys paved the way. <laughs> for people that wrestle in those big organizations today. I mean, if it wasn't for them guys, they wouldn't have the financial compensation that they have today. That's a fact. I know that for my heart of hearts. Right. And 
as I said, and this is what's so unbelievable. I mean, it is coming up to 34 years since he left us in mm. July. Yeah. And when I go to these events, I have all these young people, young fans and young people that are just starting their wrestling careers. They'll come up and they'll tell me things. And, and it's like, and then I ask them their age. And most of them, they weren't even born when he left us. And this is the power of social media. Because you've got social media, you've got the YouTube, you've got, he even has his own uh, Facebook page. Okay. What is it called? Bruiser Brody, Wrestling's Last Rebel. And I, and it's really great. I, I'm sort of the anonymous administrator, assume yeah. administrator, because I like to at least keep check of what people are, you know what I mean, what yeah. they are, to keep, yeah. to keep oh. it clean, so to speak. Yeah, oh yeah, you yeah, got it. There's a lot of things mm. you don't want to get involved in or you don't want to, you know, you, you want yeah. a good place. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's amazing. I see photographs, especially from Japan and that, I see photographs that I've never seen before. So, oh, wow. and, and it is just amazing, like yeah. I said, how people remember and how people, and I go back, it has to be YouTube, you know, the YouTube, because yeah. if you look at a match from the old days of the mm -hmm. old timers, the legends, and you look at a, the match today, mm -hmm. it's such a difference in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And what? I mean, you had Abdullah the Butcher, you had yeah. the Sheik, you yeah. had, you know, characters that yeah. were unbelievable in the ring yeah that, I, and you know yeah I, I can remember uh when Bruiser Brody was in the AWA uh under the Sheik and now Neil Casey mm -hmm. and that was one of my and he did his job because I could not stand <laughs> I couldn't stand him he did his job him and Nor the Barbarian uh just ruthless they were so big and powerful and just they played their roles to the T. And, you know, I think that's kind of a missing part today, not to get off track here. But no, I know <laughs> it's, you know, it, it seems so real. You really wanted you really could not stand those heels and you really love the faces, you know, and and, and it just seems like and. You know, you really, I mean, those guys, I'm not saying guys don't get hurt today, but I'm saying those guys back then were, I think, a little more physical uh, in their, when they were doing their matches. And I'm not saying it's not physical now, because it is. People get hurt. I mean, I get it. But um, I just think there was more expected. Okay. And and there was a little bit more red, too, back in those days. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I call it red yeah. and green. It was a little bit red. Yeah. Red made green. Yeah. Red that made was, green. Yeah. Red made green. That's yeah. Because kind of yeah. I know uh, Frank, I mean, whenever he would come home, he would say, you know, all I want to do is to give the people the best night of their life mm -hmm. because they're paying to come in to see me. And I want them to leave being totally satisfied. And I want them to leave saying, it looks real. It's got to be real. Yeah. yeah. You know, because the definition between the two, and even when uh, the few matches I've seen, yeah. it did look real. Kind of, whoa, this, yeah. this is real. And I have been, like, 
in St. Louis, a little town outside St. Louis, they have a Bruiser Brody Memorial with Herb Simmons every year on May oh, the 14th. Okay. Getting ready, yeah, getting ready to go again this May the 14th. Of course, the last couple of years because of COVID, we haven't yeah. had it. Yeah. And I'll be in the dressing room, you know what I mean, the dressing room with the guys, you know, getting yeah. everything ready. And I mean, they, they come. This is kind of like old school wrestling. He, he still runs because Frank was with them for such a long time before everything happened too. Mm-hmm. So Hurt is another one who's been a really good friend to me. And I'll be there. I mean, their bodies, they come back in from a match. I mean, they are just bruised and, you know, you can see it all over their bodies that they are hitting for real. You know. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah they are. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, and that's why it's in a couple of times I've been outside and I've watched them and it's like, you can hear it. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, it's but he's, he's kind of still going back to the, I mean, he's still the old school after he's yeah. been in the promotion now for over 40 years. Yeah. So he's still producing old school wrestling. Well, that's good. That's great. That's wonderful to hear. So if you're listening or watching this, this will come out here uh, in a few weeks. If you're in the St. Louis area, go to that uh, memorial show. I, I, it's yeah, I'll East Condolette. Okay. Yeah, East Condolette. All right, all right, yeah. So, all right, let's kind of go into a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Obviously, you have an accent. So yeah. I'm, and uh, and and where did you grow up? And uh, and how you how did you meet Frank? Grew up, grew up in New Zealand. Okay. Being very, I mean, you're talking about the fifties. Get okay. my age away, but that's okay. <laughs> talking about uh, the fifties, and New Zealand was very, very. I mean, it was a country that is so far removed. A lot of people, even today, I ask them, and they still don't know. I think New Zealand became famous with the Hobbit, the movie, The Hobbit, <laughs> and uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And you know, I think about that sometimes. I mean, we we didn't even have running water. We had a cistern on top of the roof, and hopefully it rained so we could get water. No washing machines, everything, not even a stove back in those days, not even a refrigerator. You had someone came around with ice and put it in a little little container outside the house so you could keep things cool. And I always used to watch. There's there's a series, I know you know, Three Stooges. There's, there's an yeah. episode of Three Stooges that has the ice pick, the, the man going up the stairs. And that always reminds me of my home because I could always remember coming in with the ice, this big block of ice and putting it in. So I grew up, when you think about it, grew up very, very sim- simple. Didn't have TV till I think I was 15 to see the first TV. Okay. So, But I think back today and I think that maybe it was a wonderful way to grow up because you grew up without social media, you grew up without TV, yeah. you played outside, you read books. The big event was going to the uh, movies on a sat- on a Saturday afternoon, the matinee, and seeing seeing film from America and film from all around the world, black and white, of course, and thinking, oh, wow, look at these places. And here we are in this little tiny remote country. Yeah. So as soon as I became old enough, I realized, ah, me and my girlfriend, we wanted to go to Australia. So as soon as I was old enough, I think I was only 18, we decided, okay, it's it's time to get out in this big wide world that we've been watching. And because, you know, you hear about them because you didn't know much about it. And my mum never learned to drive until she was 50. So when I was 
I was a teenager, I would go out with her driving and would yeah. pick up hitchhikers. Sounds strange now. Yeah. But they were, they, but this was a safe time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember we'd pick up hitchhikers and take them, and they were from all over the world. And I can remember sitting there, and they would tell us stories. A lot of them were from German and everywhere, you know. And it was like listening to these stories. And I think that's kind of why I got my travel bug. It was like, wow, sitting there listening to all these fantastic things. And so as soon as I got old enough, being, what, 18, 19, I think I was, I, me and my girlfriend, we took off over to uh, Sydney and started off our life over there. And then I ended up just doing regular work, and you know, office work, secretary, everything. Worked a little bit of everything. Nightclubs as a second, second hand, you know, second job. Worked all the time. And then finally, it was like, okay, I think working in a hotel would be very interesting. You know, because, yeah. you know, you're in an office and that is, you know, you don't meet a lot of people. It's an office, yeah. you know, nine to five. And I thought, well, yeah. So I thought, I saw a job. So I went, I went to the, went to the job. I didn't have no, any knowledge about hotels. I didn't have any knowledge about the equipment. I didn't have anything. So I thought, okay, what can I do? So I found out what kind of machines they use. This is, of course, before internet, before computers, before yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. So what happened was I went to the manufacturer of where they sold these machines, and I told them, oh, yeah, I'm coming to investigate some machines. We're uh, opening up a motel, and we need we need some, you know, we need some merchandise to put in the motel. They went through all the machines for me. So by the time I went back for another interview, I had so much knowledge. (laughs) I got the job. That's great. Oh, yeah. Do you use this machine or this machine? And I didn't have a clue because I'd never used one before except for what they showed me. You know. Okay. So I got the job, and that was the start. And then I ended up working in a little place, the Texas Tavern in uh, Australia. This was in Sydney now. I'm in Sydney. And it just happened to be a place where all the boys, all the wrestlers who had their tour of New Zealand and Australia would stay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So got to meet, you know, got to meet them because, as I said, a few times I worked down on the front desk. So to me, I was like a big sister because I'd give them their mail. And this was before they wrote letters because it was too expensive to make phone calls from Australia to America back in those days. 
Yeah. So I would uh, give them their mail. They'd show me photographs of their kids and their wives. And it was a lonely existence back in those days. When they left, that was it. Like now, we're all around the world. Yeah. I, You know, you push a button and you talk to somebody in another country. So the, you know, the communication is so different. Whereas yeah. back in those days, the it was you wrote letters. It's hard to think about that now. <laughs> then you wrote a letter. <laughs> that was your you know form of communication. Yeah. And so this day, Frank had come in. I I was friends with a lot of them. It just so happened that I mean, he'd been there, you know, just talking, and had been there for quite some time. And this one night, somebody was somebody didn't show up for the late shift, so they asked me, "Well, you know, can you work the late shift?" Oh, sure. What else am I going to do? So I happened to be there getting off work at 11 o'clock at night, and the, the boys all just uh, pulled up in a cab. I mean, when I when I talk about, <laughs> I mean, I had a Andre the Giant, I had Don Morocco, I had, you name it, J.J. Yeah. Dillon, you know. It's funny, J.J. Dillon is also a friend today, too, which I've known for 40-plus years. Yeah. It's funny, I caught up with quite a few of the uh, old-timers that I met Old time, young timers that I met <laughs> that I met in uh, in in Australia. So this night they're all saying, and, and I had I had one that was a really good friend, and he said, "Look, we're going up." My boss was an American gentleman, and he had another club up the street, which was called the Bourbon and Beef. So they said, "Look, it's late. Why don't you just come up and have a drink with us?" Okay, sure. You know, this is when you work to you know when you work at night, it's like getting off at five o'clock. Yeah. It's not something. It's it's the time is irrelevant. So I went went up the street. Everybody was there. It was like twelve of us. There was midgets and giants and you know quite a quite a show really. And but to me they're just people. I've always had people are just people. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. how they treat you, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who they are, what they are, you know, what nationality. They're yeah. all the same. It's how you treat each other. And uh, there and all of a sudden we're sitting at this table. All these people, one by one, they start leaving. Okay, we'll be back, we'll be back. And the finish, there was just three of us. There was Carl Krupp, who's also passed on. There was me and there was Frank. Then Carl gets up and leaves and said, I'll be right back. (laughs) No, I found out later it was a work. He didn't know how to get me by myself, so he'd set all the boys up. So, yeah, you've got to leave. But don't do it so she knows. <laughs> so that, so that is how we met. And then just very slowly, he was there for like oh, probably six months, seven okay. months. He was doing Australia. He'd gone home for Christmas, came back, and then one night he came back and he said, "I'm off to the states in the morning." Oh. <laughs> He'd had, you know, Frank has kind of had a little reputation about standing up. Uh, thought some, not to get into it, but I think you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. There's quite, yeah, he has a, uh, yeah, there's some stories. And uh, he came he came back and he said, okay, okay, well, nice knowing you. So what he did, he put Frank, as you probably know, was very dingy he saved his money he he ate when he went on the road it was green beans and tuna and his, uh, so he wouldn't have to spend money going out <laughs> he had you know 
had those grazing green beans and tuna in his in his bag, <laughs> so he always had food with him. So he 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 was he knew he knew there was life after wrestling, so he knew to save, like right. some, you know what I mean. He was a businessman, I guess you'd say a businessman, and he treated wrestling like a business. He never lost sight of who he was. Yeah. He was always Frank Goodish. Then he became Bruiser Brody, and then he would come back to Frank Goodish again. So some people, as we know in life, doesn't matter what it is, will will lose sight of who they really are. Yes. So they become who they create. Yes. You, you know, so so what happened? I said, oh, and what he did was he put a pile of money down on the table, his last pay, and it was all in cash, put it down on the table, and he said, he didn't say anything except, I'd like you to come over. There were no promises. There was no blow, you know, none of that, no major promises. He said, I'll just make sure. I'll, you know, I'll look after you, but just come over. That was it. It wasn't oh. like it's going to be, you know. Yeah. So he left the next day, and I came over a couple of weeks later. Of course, I'd been over in Australia for quite some time, so I, there was a lot of business I had to tie up. Yeah. So I came over very scared. I'm in here, you know, coming over to America, got my visa and everything. The first, and this was before 9-11, so... When I got out of the plane, on I always remember my first vision of America was leaving the plane, and the Hare Krishnas were right at the uh, gate. And, you know, they would come up, and they would be doing their chanting. And I remember coming out there, and here's the Hare Krishnas right there as I'm walking out the gate. I said, well, this is a pretty cool place. This is different. So got on got on the plane, went to San you know, went to San Antonio. Of course you're thinking, Are they gonna be there? You know, that thought goes in, you know, what am I doing? Well, I'll get to see America anyway. And I had a ticket I had a ticket into America, then I had a ticket onto London. You you always gotta have a plan A and plan B in life. Because if plan A doesn't work out, you wanna have a plan B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just in case. Sometimes a yeah. plan C too. Yeah. So <laughs> So my plan B was, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go. I'd always wanted to go to uh, England, London. So I thought, well, I'll get a ticket on to London just in case. Have my plan B. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I guess not. I'm still here. So yeah. plan, plan B never came into fruition. <laughs> so that's kind of how it just all started. And yeah. as I said, with everything happening, we're in San Antonio where he, uh, you know, where he worked, he worked out of mm -hmm. right up until the time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, uh, when he got uh, going, you know, when he went to Minnesota or went to Georgia, did you ever, did you travel with him or did you stay mm -hmm. home and, and take care of the family? Near enough stayed home. He traveled I went to a couple of my, cause people ask me that. How about because some of them travel all over the place and go mm -hmm. with the uh, with the to the matches, but I would sometimes travel with him in Texas mm -hmm. if he was driving. If it was a close, if it was close like Corpus Christi or somewhere that was in one of these small towns in Texas, you know, it was only a couple of hours driving. Mm -hmm. Then I would drive with him, but that was about all. Okay. I think the only the only real 
time I really went with him, and people will still talk about this match. I guess I saw one of the best matches that he's, you know, that people remember was yeah. when he did one hour with Ric Flair in St. Louis. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people still talk because they didn't think that he could, both of them, that he could go one hour with yeah. Rick because Rick's, you know, that was a match. Yeah. And what it was was the Japanese uh, the Japanese were in town. Giant Barber was in town and Mrs. Barber, and they were over at that match because they filmed it too for the Japanese people. Uh, okay. So I got to go, and he had family. He had family, and uh, his sister was living in St. Louis at the time. So I actually, I actually got to go to wow. St. Louis to see that match, and I did. One other match was the uh, uh, which one was the big one? The Superdome in New Orleans? Is that, was that New oh, Orleans? Oh, the, the world class, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did one time with that. I did go down. It was kind of like a little okay. vacation yeah. that I went. It was after Jeff had been born and got, aw- got away for a couple of days. Yeah. So that's pretty much the only – of course, um, he would bring home tapes from Japan. Yeah. And as I'm going through the house, I, you know, I'd see that because, as you know, Japan – is a totally, totally different uh, yeah. wrestling organization yeah. than what it is over here in the States. Because yeah. you work. I mean, they put you to work over there. And he was lucky to be a big man like Stan and a few of the other ones that could actually work. I mean, work to the, their style and do the things. I mean, Frank has always, had always, he, he could always, I see some of the photographs. I've never been able to kick my leg that high. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when he when he gave that big boot, the big I mean, boot, yeah, big boot, yeah, he, uh, yeah, you know, it's like how the how did he get his leg up that high? Yeah, wanted to ask you. He worked in quite a few uh, territories. Um, what do you think or believe? I guess I should say was his favorite area. I'm going to assume Texas. But I didn't know if there was another area that he particularly liked uh-huh. to work in. Texas with uh, Fritz and the St. Louis area with Sam Muchnick. Okay. Those those were the two, I think, two. And that's where he met Larry and that's where he met Herb. So I would have to say, yeah, Sa- yeah. definitely St. Louis because they treated him so good. In yeah. fact, when his son was born, he was working Kansas City that night, and he was on his way to St. Louis. So he didn't even know that when he got to St. Louis, he had the uh, telephone message that he, you know, his son had been born. He went to work that night. Sam told him, "You leave, get a plane, and go home." Yeah. Didn't even have to work. I mean, that that's how that's, great. Sam, that's the way to do it. Yeah, Sam was. So he made he made it home that night. I think it was like about ten o'clock. He yeah. made it. Then he had to leave again. Of course, he stayed one day and then, you know, yeah. had to leave again for work the following, you know, yeah. I think two days or something. So, yeah, so that's why he said, I mean, that that is class. Didn't worry about the match. Didn't worry about anything. Worried about that. You get home and meet your son. That's right. That's good. Um, I know back then they – a lot of the promoters uh, – family was not a priority. Mm-hmm. You You worked, so – a lot of respect. And I've heard a lot of good things about Sam and Fritz, uh, both. Mm-hmm. So, um, because he was ahead. kind of part of the family. I mean, Fritz yeah. was the one that kind of got him into the business. And mm-hmm. 
I mean, he he worked. They they were kind of like brothers. They thought of Frank as a big brother. And you know, I mean, you talk about tragedy. Now that family was a you know was tragedy. Yeah, it was just because I was he was in Japan, of course, with David, and I had gone. I think I'd gone to New Zealand, if I remember. I was in New Zealand, and he called me that just after it. You know. It all happened, and I mean, I know it was just, and then the whole thing was just sad. I yeah. mean, yeah, no, and he was there for just about all of them except for Kerry, Kerry, yeah. you know. But, but I have to say, my Kevin, with having being in Hawaii, with having his family and his kids there and everything, his sons now are wrestling and everything. Yeah. The last of the Von Erichs. Yeah. Yeah, that is a tragedy of what happened to that family, and, you know, it's, yeah, it, I don't have words for it. It's just, yeah, it's it's a quite disheartening, and, yeah. So let's talk about when Frank was gone, which was probably pretty frequent. Uh, what was life like for you? I mean. You, yeah, what, when you really come down to it, I keep thinking, I mean, we were probably lucky to be together three months of a whole year, counting yeah. the times that you know, the few times that he was home, especially when he got into the Japanese, because now that was like a four-week, six-week trip mm-hmm. that yeah. he was gone. Sometimes I wouldn't hear from him because, like I said, don't waste money on a telephone call. They're expensive from Japan. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of was left to, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think he'd, he'd often said to me, he said, I had to, I had to travel around the world to find someone that would put up with my lifestyle. So, yeah. you know. Very true. Yeah, a lot of people not, they're not going to tolerate because I'm, I'm not going to be there. I'm, I can't, you know, mm. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but I know that you can do it. And I did. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was hard, especially, especially after Jeff came. Mm-hmm. And not having his father around and everything, but when his father was home, he would do the he would do everything he possible could. If he was in little league, was in baseball, he'd come to the baseball field and watch him. If he if they had a show and tell at school, Jeff would take his dad as show and tell. The teachers loved it. I bet they did. <laughs> you know, and here he is trying to sit in one of these little tiny chairs. In this classroom. So after everything <laughs> happened, they were they were really kind. They put Jeff with one of his best friends yeah. for that year and that. So yeah, they just uh, the, the teachers they just loved him there because they yeah. they knew that he's a father that's gone all the time, but he's trying to do the best he can when he comes home. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine being as big as he was and sitting in those little chairs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he he tried. As I said, yeah, and, it, and it's tough when yeah. the father or the husband is on the road all the time, but it's just something you adjust to. It's just something, you know, you work at. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. 
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, it, it'd be tough. And I want to talk a little bit, if I could, um, you know, after the what happened to your husband. Um, I know it took time to adjust. Uh, I guess how did you cope with that and how did you move? I, want, I don't want to say move on, but kind of oh, just – Get back into into life with your family and your and your and your son. I mean, I, I'm sure that was very excruciating and painful and, and challenging. Well, first first thing when when I came back to the states after being, you know, I went to Puerto Rico and stayed there and tied. I mean, there was things that had to be done over there that yeah. I couldn't do if I got back to the states. You know, my hands would have been tied. So there was certain things that I had to do over there before coming back to the States, mm-hmm. you know, certificates and things like that. And uh, when I came back, uh, one of his best friends, they had two kids, a little bit, not much. One was, I think, the same age as Jeff and one was a little bit older. And mm-hmm. they asked me, they said, uh, this was just after I got back. I said, well, what, what can we do? I said, leave your kids with me. Just leave your kids with me. Yeah. And you, I know you guys have to go back to work and that, but it was the school holidays because it was July. So they left the two kids with me. So I came back and then I had three kids I had to uh, kind of take care of, which was good for the mind. Keep the mind busy because if the mind starts dwelling, that's when things happen. That's when people get into that really bad funk that people get into. So with having three kids, and it was good for Jeff too, having two kids and not just having mum who's very very sad this way they kept each other going out taking them out to different things and that so that was the first thing was to get through the next thing was make a list of everything that needs to be done on a piece of paper if you get one thing off that list you have accomplished something for that day you're not gonna just one thing and that and then by that You'll get everything that needs to be done. You'll get it done without worrying about it, but giving you some direction. And I think that was the main thing was just, and it's not easy. I'm not saying it was easy or anything like that, but just trying to keep that mind focused and not dwell. Of course, the night times were hard and things like that when the house is quiet and things like that, you think, because all of a sudden you've been going on this path and the path is great. Then all of a sudden, you hit a wall. And life will never, ever be the same that it was. You have to mm-hmm. totally change. You can either go forward or you can go back or you can just stay. I mean, I, I know people that have never recovered from a tragedy that's happened. And they've lost. I mean, they've lost out on so much of life. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah. There's no time frame. Yeah. It took me to get, I 
to get rid of all his things that were in I wish I still had them today because I didn't realize they would be so valuable yeah, <laughs> yeah I wish yeah. I had because now things just anything anything is worth a lot of money of his yeah and it was like but up until the time that I was leaving uh Texas to come to Florida I still had his things he had his own dressing room so I kind of never even went in there it was kind mm-hmm. of like you know that was that was it right up to that time and it didn't bother me you know what I mean I guess it was kind of like I don't know I think everybody has their own time of you know moving that type of stuff the mind and possessions are a whole different thing so until I came here where I had to make a decision I wished I'd bought like I said I wished I'd bought everything with me (laughs) you know but that's another thing yeah yeah so yeah, and I know because what happened when my mum died with my dad, uh, my sister and friends went in to the house and took all my mum's things away. He came home from being out, and there was nothing of my mum's, which is not, I don't think it's the right thing, because yeah. he hadn't quite said goodbye, you know. It still made him feel good to have a couple of her things mm-hmm. around, and then yeah. he comes home, and everything is gone. There's nothing. It's like she never existed. And I think, I think you've got to let people do it themselves. Yeah. You know, people think they're helping. Don't get me wrong. People think they're helping yeah. and bless them, you know, bless them for that. But sometimes it's not. Everyone is different. Some people yeah. is fine. Everybody yeah. is different. But let the person that's lost somebody, let them be the one to decide. Yeah. You know. I, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's hard. You, people try and do the right thing for you and sometimes mm-hmm. they, and uh, yeah, and, and they're only trying to help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not doing it maliciously. Yeah, no. I, yeah, that's not. I'm not doing it for anything except trying to help, I, and that's yeah. You know, uh, and I did I'm, notice another thing. Like with, if you lose somebody, sometimes, especially mm-hmm. with, uh, especially with Frank, the way it happened <clears> and <throat> everything was, people would see me, and I think they don't know what to say sometimes. So I've, yeah. I've seen them, like, you know, go to the grocery store, and you'd see them out of the corner of your eye. You know they saw you, but yeah. then th- they didn't come and say hello or anything because they didn't know what to say. You know, just, as I said, tell them, just go up and say, you know, as if you know them. Well, yeah. you know, hello, you know, whatever you want to say. But say something. It, yeah. It's not going to, you know what I mean, instead of disappearing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think people don't know what to say, and they're kind of scared to say something. Yeah, they're scared to say something that might might hurt you. you. Yeah, you know. But that's part. That's part of the uh, losing process. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, appreciate that insight. Let's talk about the book you wrote uh, a few years back. Yeah, I got it. There it is. Yeah, if you're watching, there it is. There Brody. it is. Yeah. The, uh, the Triumph and Tragedy of Wrestling's Rebel. I got a lot of copies. If they want to contact me, then contact me through Facebook or okay. anything like that. I will and, put it down uh, at the bottom of the description, mm-hmm. your Facebook page, and uh, I'll probably yeah. order one myself just because. 
Well, what I'll do, you're doing the right, send me your address and I'll send you one. Oh, thank you. Okay. You know. So so let's talk about the book a little bit. Um, Well, the the book came about that another person had contacted me to write a book. I think it was Emerson Murray who has another book out on Frank. Shouldn't Mm -hmm. be ready to give him a plug, but, you know, hey, that's okay. It's a different book because it was written in a whole different perspective. Mm-hmm. And some of it in there that I've heard from the family is not quite, you know what I mean. There's a yeah. little bit. The book that Larry, when Larry approached me, Larry Matterstack, mm-hmm. when he approached me, it was like a whole different thing because Larry is one of the, was, sorry, yeah, he was one of the most honest people that I know. And, to Frank, he was one of his closest friends, mm-hmm. and you have to be on to be a friend of Frank. You have to be pretty blatantly honest. And Larry and Herb, like I said, I know I've mentioned them a couple of times. I can't say enough about those two. Larry, of course, unfortunately, has already left us. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he approached me, he said, "Look," he said, "I've been approached." He'd already done a book with ECW Press up in Canada. And he said, I've been approached. How would you feel? I said, well, I can't write. And he told me, he said, no. He said, all you have to do, I'm going to be doing the wrestling side of it because it's from, from both perspectives. It's from the wrestling side. He did the wrestling side. And I, he said, all, all we want to do, just like you're doing now, talk about exactly like this podcast is what the book is kind of like. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just, just write because if you're, if you write honest or if you talk honest, you don't have to worry because it's honest. You don't have to think yeah. about, well, what did I tell this person? Or did I tell this person? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Different things that, yeah. you know, we all yeah. come sometimes embellished just a little bit. Yeah. And, but if you just talk from the heart, from the honest part, you can't make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just did exactly the same. Like you're tell- you're asking me that. I just wrote it from my perspective. Yeah. Instead of talking, I just wrote it down, and then he just, just clarified it. He said, "I really didn't have to do much because you're just speaking from the heart." Yeah. So it's very easy to just you know there wasn't really anything I had to correct because that was it. Yeah. So that was how the book came about. Was uh, with Larry, and okay. as I said, and. And I, as I said, I've got, in fact, I'm going to take him up. There's a wrestling show here in Daytona Beach. There's a wrestling show. It's like a wrestling content in Daytona Beach on the 24th. And then uh, there's the big one up in uh, New Jersey, the Menon, the Menon, I think it's the Menon Sports Center. There's a huge one that I'm going to go up okay. to too. They're also giving Frank an award. Oh, wow. Up Great. There. So this is what I mean. And then this Waterloo, I go to Waterloo. Uh, That's the Wrestling Hall of Fame. That is correct. Up yeah. there in Waterloo, Iowa. Mm-hmm. We'll be there in July. Okay. And then, of course, the CAC in Vegas in September. Yeah. Back so to the CAC. So you're so pretty this, busy. This is, this is what I mean. I always remember Frank said, if you ever, you know, it wasn't a promise of anything, but I'll make sure you're okay. And yeah. still today, he's making sure I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, this this long afterwards. Yeah. And like I said, it just amazes me that all these people, when I go to all these events, that they remember. I mean, yeah. they just know all about him. You you can't – how can I say this? You can't forget somebody that made such a huge 
impact, even during the era for the territories. So you didn't have cable back then. I mean, it just started, but I mean, you know, Bruiser Brody was everywhere. Japan for most, most notably in Japan, obviously with Stan Hansen and Terry Funk. They're legends over there. They're legends here as well, but I'm saying you talk about Bruiser Brody, they're going to know who he is or who, you know, he was that much of an impact on this, on the business. And I know. And I get a lot of Japanese friend requests too from Japan that, you know, I have to push the translation button to find out what they're saying. You know, I love that they have a translation button on Facebook that you can find out. Yeah, and oh. I can tell, as I said, and as I said, if there's a birthday or anything, I'll always wish them happy birthday. And it's like, oh, Barbara-san, because they say that S-A-N at the end of your name yeah. in the Japanese with respect. <laughs> and it's like, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate because Japan was, they treated him so good. And mm-hmm. I was so fortunate when everything happened that uh Giant Baba and Mrs. Baba, they took me over there for his memorial service. Wow. Me and Jeff over there. And I got to see, because he always used to t- tell me, he said, you you just won't understand what it's like over in Japan. Well, I got, thanks to them, thanks to the Japanese company, I got to know exactly what it was like. And Stan was over there, too, on the, uh, on the trip. So okay. he kind of looked after us and, yeah. you know, That's everything. Really nice. So it was it – was, a very big experience. And then, of course, uh, Jimmy Snooker, who was another another one that Frank worked with him, you know, a lot. And another one that was, you know, he thought a lot of. He had some good matches with Jimmy. Yeah. I know yeah. You, you talk about a lot of people now, and it's at this age, especially some of the legends, there's so many that are not here anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's too bad. I think a lot of it, and you know, this is pure speculation, is just, they banged their bodies around so much and gave so much to the business that it took a, a lot of those guys mm-hmm. early in life. And it, it's too bad because, you know, all these wrestling conventions they have and, and uh, when they get invited to the, like the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, it's too bad that they're not around. And I know. To, to see it. It's, it's a tragedy. I, I think they'll always, a lot of the old ones, the uh, legends, they'll always be remembered, just like Frank. I mean, to not be here for, what, 34 years this July. And I said, it's just, it amazes me. And like I said before, he just wanted to give the fans the best night of his life. And now there's a whole new generation of fans that have picked up on what he was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Legend. And, again, like I said earlier, I don't think the spouses get enough credit for what they have to sacrifice at home with their, with their, cause they're raising the children and, and keeping the house, you know, in order. And, um, you know, I want to thank you again, Miss Barbara Goodish. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, oh, I'm, I'm going to say a shout out for you, uh, Darla. Yeah. Told me to tell you hello. And so did Greg Oliver. Oh, Greg. Good to be seeing him too. Yeah, we, yeah. as I said, I yeah. found my family. You understand yeah. with the, the CAC and everything that yeah. first year. Yeah, I found my family, and it's a it's such a great family too. That it just 
it makes you feel good to have yeah. these wonderful people in your life. It is, yeah. So they think very highly of you when I talk to them. And uh, folks, I want to say again, Miss Barbara Gush, if you want a copy of that book, I will have the link of her Facebook page down in the description. Please grab a book from her. I know it's great. I've read the reviews on it. It's 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 a wonderful book. And um, get out there and see her. She's going to be at the in Waterloo in, in July, St. Louis here in about three weeks. And uh, get out and say hello to her. She's a heck of a nice lady. From just interacting <laughs> with her right now, I'm only you know and great lady. So Barbara, thank you again so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And as I said, everybody out there. Thank you for still remembering him. That's a, it's a real honor from the family, from the family to all of you. All right. Again, one more time, Ms. Barbara Goodish, thank you for watching. If you're listening, thank you, and subscribe, and we will talk to you soon. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, this is a Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern, just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That's Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, ProWrestlingInterviews.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then, uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stiles of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts will include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, 
Ricky Steamboat, Ding, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Bill Apter has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill Apter's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an early champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. Here's Bill after, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, vocnation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. 